Hi folks. On this episode, we speak with Danny Tolwa, Head of Tax at Coinly, a simple tax solution for crypto and a portfolio tracker. Danny is a chartered accountant and a taxation advisor with experience across both European and Australian markets. He talks to us about his interest in blockchain and crypto and how that led him to advising businesses with Coinly. He highlights some of the key differences he's noticed between crypto and traditional businesses and how Coinly stays on top of the ever-changing crypto landscape. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Please note that this podcast does not constitute financial product advice. You should consider obtaining independent advice from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. Well, Danny, thanks so much for joining me. I'd love you to tell me about your background, you know, prior to to, to Coinly and uh, and how you, I guess, how you found yourself in crypto. Yeah, thanks very much, Jonathan, and thanks for having me on. So. I suppose my personal journey started in late 2020, early 2021. And yeah, I started hearing a lot about crypto in the media. I had a lot of friends talking to me about crypto and, um, you know, being in the finance space, I was also starting to um, work with a lot of uh, multinationals um, in the crypto space. And I found myself at the same point in time, you know, considering crypto as a personal investment, but also quickly needing to learn about the industry um, to, to, to be an advisor for, for companies in this space. So, you know, I use that really as a challenge to, to learn about it. And, you know, when I, when I considered investing in crypto, I, I didn't want to just ape into Bitcoin, for example. I wanted to understand what was the underlying value behind it. And, you know, really, what am I investing my money in? And at the same time, you know, I, I began investing and building a bit of a philosophy around uh, diversification of my portfolio and, and just trying to understand, you know, future technologies, etc. So, so it was happening around the same time and, and, and got me interested. And I also found myself in a professional capacity, you know, needing to upskill and, and, and be able to talk to uh, multinationals in the, in the crypto space. Um, so, you know, I, when I went through that, I, I, I suppose like like most investors, started off very basically in Bitcoin and Ethereum, and and slowly started to kind of um, work my way into DeFi protocols and um, NFTs. And I think I was using it more just to educate myself, really, rather than actually to make any money from it. And mm. um, you know, I, I suppose a lot of people are probably similar in in that space. Uh, so that's that's kind of how I first got started into it, and um, you know I also found that working with companies in this space, um, they wanted advisors that really understood their business and how how they make money, how they operate globally, um, and you know, found the way they operate is actually very different to traditional companies, even traditional tech companies. Mm. Um, so so that's that's really how it started, um, and and went from there and decided. You know, this is something I want to explore full time and, and, and be at the forefront of the industry. So, so uh, I found myself here today at Coinly. Okay, I want to come back to the comment you made about how businesses in, in this industry differ. But first, tell me a little bit about your role at Coinly and, and also just tell me about Coinly as, you know, as a business. It'd be great for our listeners to understand you know, what you guys do. Absolutely. So in a nutshell, Coinly is a simple portfolio tracker that you can use to aggregate your transactions on multiple exchanges, wallets, we call them integrations. Um, and because of the aggregation of the data, 
in relation to those, it's also an excellent tax solution when, when it comes to tax time and you have to file your crypto tax report. And you know, I'll talk on misconceptions later, and, and it's often a mis- misconception that crypto isn't taxable. And in fact, it is um, not just in Australia, but, but many countries across the world. So, um, so Coinly was started in 2018 by Robin Singh, who's our founder. Um, he was a crypto investor himself and found issues um, with compiling data when it did come to tax time. And he had a software engineering background, so essentially had the tools to make make the solution. And, and you know, here we are today with over um, 600 integrations on wallets and exchanges. And, you know, one of the things Coinly are doing is constantly releasing more um, integrations, with blockchains um, and wallets so that we can stay on top of, of, of the ever-changing and evolving um, industry that we find ourselves in. <laughs> Absolutely. So a lot of people use Coinly as a portfolio tracker, and we've all been there just refreshing wallets daily, especially when market's heating up. So um, what Coinly does is actually it, it, it channels all the, the data from various integrations into a really easy-to-use space. Um, I suppose a bit of data from Coinly, actually, um, we find that the average user has around three to five integrations, so with exchanges, wallets, and chains. Um, so we find that, particularly in this industry, needing to have that aggregation in one place is really important. Mm. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, I'd like to learn a little bit more about how you guys deal with the, the speed of the space. You know, this. It, it's hard enough to keep up with it just as an observer and then as an experimenter. But then you guys are trying to provide tools on top of that. How do you go about that? Um, I assume it's more than just, a, you know, an engineering effort. It's also a kind of conceptual effort when it comes to thinking about it from the point of view of tax. Could you tell me about how you guys work as, a, as, an, as an org to deal with the, the pace of change in this industry? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, on one side, our, our focus is on increasing integrations and um one of the things that we've made uh, made clear as of now is that we cover the main uh, bases in, in the form of you know key exchanges, key wallets. You know, a lot of people in 2021 started trading NFTs, um, so we added a load of wallet and exchange integrations that were compatible with NFTs, so that they can track NFT gains and losses. Um, one of the things we're trying to do is is obviously keep up with the pace of that change, but. Yeah, you know, we want to maintain the quality of having solid, reputable exchanges, wallets um, on on the blockchain, on on the Coinly product itself. Um, but we also want to make sure that as a solution, Coinly works and and can be trusted. So there's there's two two key focus areas there, um, and you know that's why there's a there's a um, team global team now in place uh, in 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 managing that. And, and how many people, you know, are, are at Coinly at the moment? So Coinly has around 70, uh, 75 people and is in a stage of rapid growth. So, you know, by the end of the year, we're, we're, we're going to see many, many more. Um, the Australian office, for example, um, has has grown from from you know, zero people in, the, in 2021 to now over 20. So um, and, and Coinly are looking to do that across the world. Um, we want to make sure that users using the Coinly platform know that you know, we're here in the country and we're going to have customer support teams who are going to be able to talk to um, talk to people facing any issues as well and support them. 
I'd be really interested to know if there's like some average stats in terms of number of transactions people are making or any of that kind of aggregate level data. Do you guys ever look at that and and try and make uh, inferences from it? Absolutely. So the data we have is very important, but obviously needs to be, um, you know, the user needs to ensure that they own the data and feel confident that Coinly is um, a trusted source um, that they can use um, when educating themselves about investment decisions. So one of the things we do is we have, um, you know, not just tax guides, but just general um, information that we try and update investors on. We also make it very clear that the APIs that Coinly integrates with is is read-only. So essentially, um, the data that pulls down can't be changed or, or, or used in, in, in any way that, that has ownership rights. It's, it's essentially just a read-only into, into the Coinly platform. Um, so we want to make it clear, you know, obviously the data that Coinly has is is secure to the individual, won't be shared. Um, and that's also a key focus area for us to build trust with with our customer base. Yeah, that's fascinating and, and, a, and a big area in and of itself, I think. Well, let's go back to that previous comment you made. I thought it was really fascinating and I'd like to you know, unpack it a little bit. Um, so when you said that, you know, in, in your kind of journey in terms of learning about crypto and learning about the businesses, in crypto and the people, I guess, what were some of the main differences that you've identified when it comes to, uh, you know, crypto-based businesses and, and traditional? Absolutely. So I'd say one key difference is just the pace at which um, the technology innovates. And so, you know, crypto companies often pivot on a dime and um, change approach very, very quickly. And, you know, they expect advisors to, to match their pace in, in in that respect and <laughs> and and so you know that's that's when i went when i was talking about you know understanding the industry you know it's really important for advisors who, who are working with crypto companies to understand it because they want to um make everything happen um to match their pace of change i'd say one interesting difference is there the way that um these companies acquire people um and source from a global talent base is really interesting uh, so I found that, you know, it's often the right person for the right role, um, regardless of, you know, where, where um, that person lives. And what's really mm-hmm. interesting is it allows these companies to access you know, people that are really at the forefront of their um, profession, really kind of cutting edge, um, cu- cutting edge individuals who are, who are absolutely unique in how the business can, can be, can be driven. So I think that's really interesting because there's much less red tape and um, it allows companies to just move at such a rapid pace mm. uh, that that we're just not used to seeing. Yeah, that's no doubt. I think the the it, yeah, even in a business like Kraken is moving fast, and and we're technically legacy now. I, I'd like to kind of just talk, you know, more specifically about. Um, the kind of tax implications of, of crypto at the moment because they're constantly in the news, you know. Um, and and what the, I guess where I'd like to start is, you know, how similar are the are the kind of is the tax environment from you know at a global level? I know you guys are a global business. Um, how different are the different jurisdictions, and and what are some of those key differences? Yeah, I think that's a very good question. So, I think global authorities in general have very quickly try to impose taxing rules, um, you know, to get their share of, of gains uh, that crypto investors have made, not just individuals mind, but also institutions. I mean, there's large in- institutional investment in the crypto market. 
Um, a lot of that's happened recently. And so revenue authorities found themselves in a position where they were scrambling to try and um, you know, build a regime to in incorporate um, crypto assets, digital assets um, in into their taxing uh, regime. So what we've, what we've seen globally is tax authorities are using existing frameworks like the capital gains tax regimes, um, income tax, for example, um, and extending that into the crypto space. Um, and, and actually, one interesting um, point is that the technology behind crypto, digital assets and the blockchain industry is completely new and mm. wasn't um, around when the existing tax frameworks were designed. So you know, the industry is moving at such a fast pace that, um, yes, at the moment, the, the global tax authorities are, are trying to impose taxing rules on, on, based on local and existing um, tax frameworks, but going forward, um, there are some some new concepts being considered, and I'll touch on those later. Mm -hmm. um, and so, generally, we find that you know, for, from an individual's perspective, for example, that capital gains tax is one of the key um, frameworks that's used to impose uh, tax on crypto assets. Um, and, and different countries have various cost-based methods that they use to calculate. Um, the gain. So um, in, in Australia, um, you can use what's called the FIFO method, first in, first out. Um, and that's part of the capital gains tax regime. And essentially, you know, your crypto is taxable um, based on the market value at which you purchased it, um, less the market value at which it was sold at. And so the yeah. difference, broadly speaking, is the gain, which is taxable. In Australia, that's then added onto your income tax. Um, in various other countries, it's separate and there will be a separate tax rate um, on, on that CGT asset. The key thing to note as well is with um, capital gains, particularly in Australia, you can um, offset losses and gains against each other, which is probably particularly relevant as we, um, as we talk here today because of the recent market conditions. Yeah, I, I, and I think that there's, there's going to be continued change. So... So some of the specific stuff then, let, let's talk about Australia because we're, well, we're here and we've got a lot of listeners here. There's been kind of some statements that, you know, the, the, it's tax season, obviously, and the ATOs said it's kind of out there cracking down on crypto. What are some of the things that, you know, Australians need to consider and, and what do they need to make sure that they do? Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. The ATO have come out and said uh, they're cracking down. In fact, um, you know, they actually released a statement saying, crypto is one of the top four priority areas uh, for the ATO going into tax time, which is really significant. So one of the things that everyone essentially needs to know is that crypto is taxable. So you know, it, it is a common misconception that people can use crypto assets as, a, as an avoidance um, measure. And you know, I just want to make it clear that, you know, crypto fundamentally runs on a blockchain that is traceable. Um, and especially if you're dealing with key exchanges, um, you know, the, most of the major exchanges in Australia now are required to do um, KYC. So know your client checks. Um, you often have to, you know, produce your ID when you sign up to these exchanges. Um, and so it makes it possible to really, for the ATO to be able to track wallet addresses and, um, they also have data sharing programs in place um, with major exchanges. So essentially, that's just a common misconception that comes up. But also, 
there are key taxable events that people need to be aware of. So if you're transferring crypto to crypto, you know, often people think, well, that that might not be taxable because I'm still holding a, a, the same asset as I was before, the same asset class. Well, if you're transferring or Bitcoin to Ethereum, for example, the ATO will see that as a disposal of Bitcoin mm. and a reacquisition of the Ethereum. So you, you'd essentially need to work out whether you've made a gain on the Bitcoin at that time and also record the market value at which you've bought Ethereum from. Um, so, so, so there's a lot there. And I'd say the key message is to keep records of when you buy, sell, transfer crypto assets, even gifting crypto assets is a taxable event. Yeah, at the moment, we're also seeing people use crypto spending cards. Um, and if you're, if you're using crypto to uh, buy a coffee in the shop and are spending it on your card, that is also a taxable event. So it's really important that people that hold crypto are aware of, of these rules. We've been pretty vocal about that there needs to be some reform in terms of the way that the ATO thinks about crypto, you know, rather than an asset more like a currency. Uh, I think there's definitely arguments this way and that way. There has been some comments in the Senate uh, report, and, and I think these are recognised as being potentially too constraining uh, on, on the industry and on, on its potential for being used in, in ways that are other than just an investment. Do you guys have any insight on that? And, and where do you think the, the industry is going on, on this? Because it seems like some of the practices of the regulators are out of step with the kind of intentions of the, of the end users. Yeah, it's interesting. The ATO have actually come out and said they don't see Bitcoin as foreign currency. And yeah, I think that's really interesting because the Bitcoin white paper clearly clearly describes a, a currency or a method of payment, which is all alternative to the traditional financial system. And perhaps it's the way in which people are trading these cryptocurrencies at the moment, which is you know giving giving the ATO um, the, the impression that currently you can't actually go and buy goods and services that you'd like to buy every day using crypto. And you know, going forward, that that might change. You know, we're already seeing that change um, to a certain respect with large companies now accepting uh, payments for in crypto, such as Bitcoin. And so it's, it's interesting globally as well, because there is actually a very much a school of thought that people are using crypto assets as an investment, um, similar to shares um, and ETFs rather than um, than foreign currency. Uh, and so that's how the tax regime, particularly in Australia, has 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 seen things. But going forward, as mainstream adoption increases, that's definitely something that that regulators will have to consider and build in as they as they seek to you know impose new new regimes and rules that allow for the innovation in this space. Well, in particular, when it comes to things like NFTs that are perhaps used in a utility context on games, and as that that whole arena, you know, which at the moment is definitely there's some experiments going on, and, and you're seeing a lot of investment going into this into that that space, and, and people talking about building games that use NFTs, which fundamentally are crypto assets. You'd have to think yeah. there's going to be there's going to be some shifting in the thinking. Otherwise, um, the, the the well, firstly, it'd be so complicated, and secondly, I think I think it would be you know out of out of step with the intention of the of the end user. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the question springs to mind: How do we tax the metaverse? You know, decentralized autonomous organizations um, is an example as well. You know, th these are 
these are things that are being used today and um, tax authorities and jurisdictions haven't caught up yet to how they can how they can tax these. Yeah, well, I guess what I'd like to do just to finish up, and it's been really uh, fascinating hearing Coinly and, and your take on, on, on this, just at a, at a personal level, or even on behalf of Coinly, what are some of the, you know, the new crypto assets or token types that you guys have been looking at and, and trying to incorporate? What, what is at the forefront um, for, from, from your point of view? Yeah, I mean, rather than new asset types, I think we're trying to build on on what our customers want. So, you know, making sure the fundamentals are there um, and you know, keeping an eye on on common updates in the industry. So, you know, we're really excited about um, the merge from Ethereum that is now set to, you know, develop in August 2022 um, as it transitions to a proof of stake blockchain. So we're really excited for that, looking forward to it. And yeah, as we keep building integrations and um, we'll make sure that that coinly meets the fast pace of, of changing the industry. Yeah, that is a really good point. That's going to be an interesting moment in time. And, and obviously there'll be implications when it, when it comes to people's, you know, potentially their deployment of Ethereum into proof of stake networks as well. So really fascinating development there. Um, and I guess my final question would be, what is your you know, number one piece of advice to people new to the crypto or, or, or the NFT space? Yeah, that's a good question. I'd say really understand the underlying technology behind assets that they're hearing about, considering about for investments. And, you know, it's really amazing what the future implications can be. Um, you know, you mentioned um, land on the metaverse. And it spans across DeFi, lending, borrowing, music, art. And, you know, so I'd say educate and, and you know, get, get stuck in, um, but be informed and understand the risks. Fantastic advice. And I encourage everyone to to visit uh, kraken.com slash learn because we have some great um, resources there for people who want to understand what the technology is. Um, Danny, thanks so much for, for joining me today. I really appreciate your time uh, and, and, and all the best with your, your future in crypto. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for inviting me on. Thanks everyone for joining me on this show and for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and review on your podcast platform of choice. And we'll make sure we take you right to the edge of the crypto frontier. And remember, you can learn more about all things crypto by visiting kraken.com slash learn. Until next time, I've been Jonathan Miller, and this has been the Crypto Frontier.